Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast, a member of the Charisma Podcast Network and the Edify Podcast Network. This is episode 40. Last week's episode was amazing with author Gary Thomas. He had great practical tips for marriage and for families and parenting. Hopefully you had a chance to check it out. I do want to let you know I am looking to grow my Patreon supporters. So if you can go to patreon.com slash discerningdad, you can check out the options to sign up at different tiers and support the ministry that I'm doing. There's also benefits to you for being a Patreon member. And I also would love to give you a shout out as new Patreons on this podcast. In addition, check out my free 14-day devotional called Eyes on Jesus to help you grow in discernment. You can get that at eyesonjesusdevotional.com or in the Version app, you can search under plans for Eyes on Jesus. I would also love to get your feedback on the 14-day devotional and if you would like to see a longer, possibly 90-day devotional in a paperback form. And for today, and for probably the reason you are tuning in, is John Eldridge is on the show. What an awesome opportunity to talk to this man who had such a great influence on my life with his work and so many others. Here we go. Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. This show is about you and your walk with Jesus as we grow in discernment together so that we can make better daily decisions that honor God in all we do. We will align all things against the Bible and give you practical steps to run your Christian race to win. And now your host, the discerning dad, Tim Ferrara. Well, welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. I'm extremely excited about today. My guest needs no introduction, but I'll give him one anyway. It's John Eldridge. So he is a counselor, teacher, and president of Wild at Heart Ministries. He's the author of multiple best-selling books, including Wild at Heart, Waking the Dead, Beautiful Outlaw, and his newest book, Get Your Life Back. John and his wife, Stacy live in Colorado Springs. They have three sons, two golden retrievers, and two horses. Can't forget about the horses. Welcome to the show, John. How are you? Yeah, thanks, Tim. Good to be with you. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said before we got on, I've been looking forward to this. You know, your books have made a big impact on me and, and, and so many people. And so I'm just, I just feel like, you know, sitting and, and just listening to you, it's 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 such an, an honor. So tell us uh, anything else you'd like to fill in on your personal background, information, ministry, or even family? Well, um, grew up in LA, was glad to get out of there. Uh, even more glad now for my poor friends locked down in California. Yeah. Uh, moved to Colorado, raised our sons here. Yeah. And um, I love the outdoors. I love nature. I love how healing nature is mm. to the human soul and yeah. to our life with God. Amen. Yeah. We're we're so close to mountains here in Arizona. So it's it's so nice to just go hiking and you just feel a refreshing when you're up up in God's creation. It's, it's, it's so awesome. Yeah, actually, I love the desert too. I, I've been a deep, deep fan of the desert for a long time. I love just walking the arroyos and, and the, and the saguaros and all that out there. It's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious, you have a a big history in theater. You, you got a degree in theater and you managed a theater company, I believe too. So how has that impacted you in being able to write the books you write and being able to describe things, which is almost like describing a a play or a movie, you know, the way you write, like talk about how that's impacted you. Yeah, that's, um, that's something I didn't understand for a while. You know, our lives don't look like straight lines Mm -hmm. and we find ourselves in odd situations and 
Most of my friends are not working in the field that they got their degrees in. You know, yeah. life's just like that. It, it's a little bit more like pasta than it is <laughs> like an arrow. And But what I realized looking back now, so I, I, I spent my 20s in the theater and then my 30s in counseling. And the two go together because they're about story. Mm-hmm. And if either as an actor or as a director, you have to get into the heads of people. You have to understand your character. What motivates this character? Why does Gandalf do what he does, right? Yeah. Why does Batman act the way he does? What's what's with these guys? Yeah. And, and then I got my counseling degree in, in grad school and went on to become a therapist for a while. And, and it's the same thing. I'm listening to people's stories, helping them make sense of their story. And then, then what opens up is God is a storyteller. Yeah. He loves stories. And the scriptures come to us in the shape of stories. And I think that exasperates a lot of people. It's like, come on, just give me the facts, <laughs> right? Spell yeah. it out, make it plain. But that's not the way life is. Everyone's life is a story. Yeah. And and what's beautiful, Tim, even now as we go to movies or we read books, when you hear someone else's story, it actually does help shed light on your own, which is kind of what your podcast is about. You know, you're listening to people's stories about yeah. screwing it up with discernment and then getting it <laughs> right with discernment. And right. As you hear other people's stories, it's it's um, it's a beautiful way for God to speak into our lives. Yeah, and you know, I I talk to atheists online. I was just talking to one earlier today, and 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 they just want like just like you said, spell it out, make it so scientifically clear to me, so that I can know. And I go back to well, we can look at the same mountain and we have a different conclusion, you know, and so there's such a, there's such a deepness to understanding God when you know the story and the tapestry of the Bible and how we're a part of it. And I think it's so much richer than just if I was able to even just say, here's ABCD of why you should believe. I mean, we can talk logically all day, but at at, at some point your heart has to be involved with your brain and not just take it on blind faith, but a faith that is rooted in something. And that something is Jesus. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Think about if you and I were not doing a podcast and we had just sat down for lunch or for coffee, we would start telling stories. I would ask you, Hey, what's going on? And you would say, Oh, you wouldn't believe it last night. And we'd be (laughs) off into stories, right? Like this is, this is how people live their lives. This is how we make sense of the world. And uh, I love, did you watch the chosen series? Yes, yeah, it's fabulous. It, it brought so much of of that that approach to those stories you read, and you you read, and I I do this too. You read the Bible, and you're like, okay, forty years just went by in a king's life, you know, and, and I read it in two seconds, and and but what really happened in that story of those forty years of the Israelites' time in the desert of these disciples that gave up so much to follow Jesus, and I loved how the chosen really brought that to light. Of okay, these are real decisions that real people made in a real environment that was under Roman oppression, and what that really felt like to them, and it. it caught just a glimpse of it, I believe, but it did did such a good job of describing that story. Yeah, it really is. He's a good storyteller. 
So your ministry is wild at heart and uh, you have uh, lots of resources available. Can you just talk about that real quick? What's available when people go on your website, what they can uh, connect with on that? Right. Yep, exactly. So we, um, our goal is to see men and women restored as men Mm. and women. And that involves the recovery of the masculine soul and the feminine soul. Mm. So everything we do orbits around that. And uh, we have a podcast, a weekly podcast. We create some really beautiful films um, and small group experiences. Um, yeah, we do live events when those are allowed. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, I have uh, Morgan coming on the podcast here in a month or so. So I'll be excited oh, to talk to him. Just got his book. Uh, what is it? Becoming a King? Becoming a King. Yes, that's Really it. good book. So yeah. So awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of cool stuff on there I was looking at. So definitely check it out. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, so let's dive in a little more about you. So I know you love movies and I'm really excited to ask you this question, but if you could just maybe break it down to one favorite movie or if you need to choose three, that's fine too. But what would you say your favorite movies you choose from are? Oh man, that's um favorite movie right now. I, I think I would say The Two Towers, the second in the trilogy of The Lord of the Rings. Mm, yeah. It's like the Empire Strikes Back of the trilogy. It's oh yeah, right. Yeah. It's epic, it's <laughs> intimate, it's human, it's mythic, it's very much like life. Yeah. And the extended edition too added a lot to it. Did you yeah. see that one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah. Added a lot, a lot more of the the depths of uh Gandalf facing against his mentor and stuff. So that was cool. Right. Cool. So if you could meet anyone, alive or dead, besides Jesus, who's alive, who would it be? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> um, I I would love to meet C.S. Lewis. Mm. His work has played such a huge role in yeah. my life. And I keep going back to it. Both his fiction, like I, I love the Narnia series. I yeah. still read it. Um, and we read it out loud to each other. Stacey and I will read a, a book to each other. Um, but I love, I obviously, I love his theology. I love his 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 mind and his heart. He, he really was able to keep both of those united mind and heart. Yeah. Yeah. So good. And and I've mentioned this. How about you? Can I ask you that Mr. Interviewer? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Uh, yeah, I was going to say I've read C.S. Lewis, uh, recently I just read Tozer and he has a three book series about, um, it was uh, three separate books in, in one work, but I read through that this year and it was so, so awesome about, it, he writes very much like Lewis in the, in the fact that you really have to take your time and not just read like, okay, I got a chapter done, but maybe I got a page done today. <laughs> you know, yes. maybe I got two pages done and I'm going to really just meditate on that and think about, um, cause if you read it too fast, you just kind of like veg out and you don't realize what you just read. And so, uh, I definitely love Tozer and, uh, some more contemporary books with like Craig Rochelle and uh, people like that. So, yeah. Yep. Tozer is one of the greats. Yeah. Oh, and I'm just reading, uh, John Stott's, uh, the cross of Christ. It's another deep book. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, what are some hobbies you'd like to do? So I love the outdoors. As I said, I'm a, I love to bow hunt and I love to fly fish. I just love to be outside. I just love hiking with my dogs. Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I love art. And so going to art galleries mm. uh, for me is, is a real joy. I love reading and I love mountain biking. Awesome. 
Cool. So I'm going to move on to the two questions I ask all my guests. So a time you had godly discernment in your life defined by, you know, either a leading from the the word of God, the Holy Spirit or godly relationships. And I do this to help us all kind of learn from each other because we may not have the exact same scenario, but we all can learn about our stories, like you said, and, and take pieces of that. So when we have to make a decision, we can rely on those things mm-hmm. or examples that we've had set before us. So if you could just tell mm-hmm. us about a time when you <clears throat> had godly discernment and kind of what that looked like. You want the good story or the bad story first? Actually, that's up to you. So I'll, I'll, whichever <laughs> one you want to lead us off with. Okay. I'll start with the good story first because okay. the bad story plays into it. Cool. Um, so wild at heart, um, both the message and the ministry began out of a really hard place. My my best friend and mentor, he was my counseling supervisor, uh, Brent Curtis and I had written a book together called Sacred Romance. And we began to specifically uh, do things with men. Our, our Most of our clients were men um, or marriages, and, but we would really focus on the guys. And Brent was killed in a climbing accident mm. Uh, the opening weekend of what we were kind of launching as this work with men. Um, and that was obviously dev- just devastating. And, and um, everyone expected me to step in and take over the counseling practice. He had built the practice. He was the supervisor. And he's got all these clients now who are grieving. And, and, uh, and I had just begun uh, working in that practice, maybe, golly, only six months earlier, although we had been friends for a very long time. Um, and, and I was driving to make the decision and I pulled over uh, at just a park here in town and I, and I just was praying and I said, Jesus, I don't know what to do. I really don't know what to do. And over the years, the single most life-changing thing that I have cultivated in the Christian life is learning to hear the voice of God. Mm. Uh, John 10, 10, my, you know, my sheep hear my voice, right? The entire chapter of John four times in there, my sheep hear my voice, they hear my voice. And in fact, the whole Bible is a story of people hearing the voice of God. Um, So I pull over in the parking lot and I'm just sitting there, said, Lord, I don't know what to do. And and it was interesting because he asked me a question. He said, John, if you didn't have to prove that you were a good man, would you do this? Wow. And I said, no, I wouldn't. It's not my true desire. Mm. And he says, you don't need to do this. Now, what's significant about that is um, I think that's a beautiful work. I, I, you know, people are called to that work, but, um, but because I didn't take his, you know, it's like Saul's armor on David, you know, it just didn't fit. Right. It didn't, it wasn't for me. And as a result of that, all of this work was able to grow and bloom and blossom and, and go all over the world. You know, we're, we're, we're all over the world now. And, and, um, but, but now, now the bad story. (laughs) (laughs) So, so part of that was, so this thing begins to build and move and take on momentum and it's, you know, all the excitement of the early days of of a ministry and a mission and, you know, God, like, wow, we're following God and, and what he's doing in, in the world. And, and my mistake was I didn't keep listening. Mm. And we invited some people in, particularly into the leadership level of the ministry early on. And I didn't ask God about that. Yeah. I just, I just did it. 
and I did it out of a good heart and I did it because these were, you know, they, they look like the obvious people, quote unquote. Right. Um, and so often we make these mistakes. We, you know, we make mistakes by living out of common sense alone. Mm. And uh, it's just like, well, it just makes sense. Yeah. And, but we don't, we don't ask God. And it ended up being disastrous that there were, um, you know, it eventually blew up and they had to leave the ministry and there were wounded relationships. And I feel terrible about that. I, I, I to this day, I, I pray blessing for them. And, but, but that relationship is, you know, looks like it won't be healed until the kingdom mm. comes. And it, it was very simply, Tim, because I didn't ask God. Yeah. And and so as the ministry went on, we we really shifted. And if you if you were to drop into a leadership meeting now on on Tuesday mornings here, you would hear a lot of conversation, but you would hear a lot of listening prayer. Mm, we pause good. and we ask God. We don't just do stuff because it makes sense. Yeah. That's that's really good. And sometimes God puts you down a path and has you walk it and make good decisions as a steward of that, you know, choice or that ministry or whatever it is. But at the same time, like you said, don't stop asking, right? God may not yes. give you an answer for every single step, but at the same time, don't stop asking because then when you start making decisions that, oh, it's a good business decision or everyone else is doing it, or we need to do this to be relevant. I mean, all those yes. things can lead you down a path that's not from yes. God. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here's another story. So we get going and it's growing and we get an offer. Uh, one of the big television stations calls us and says, we will give you a free time. We will give you a prime time slot for free. We will not charge you for the airtime if you will create a show for men. Wow. So this is a million dollar. I mean, this is a huge, huge offer yeah. and it's going to, the ministry is going to grow. We're going to reach a lot of people. And this time we stopped and we prayed and we heard God say no. Mm. And we turned it down and nobody could believe we turned it down. They're like, what? That's madness. That was your platform. That was your, you know, you're going to reach so many more people. But as we look back on that now, it would have killed us. It would have just buried us and, and probably destroyed the ministry had we taken that on. So yeah, that's, that, that's a rescue story. That's a good reminder for everybody in listening to God. And so how, how do you know, you know, the next step is then how do you know when God says yes or no, do you, do you pray once? And then if he doesn't answer, do you move on? Or do you pray for days? Do you, do you fast? Like all those questions come into mind in, in a practical level. And sometimes you can't boil down God's answers to a formula, but at the same time, there are steps we can do to be more proactive in, in listening. So what would you say about that? Yes. Yes. I would say, um, start with the small stuff. Don't, don't start with the massive decisions. Nobody learns to play the piano by starting with Mozart. Yeah. Right? You don't learn to ski by doing double black diamonds. Right. You go on the bunny hill. Come on. Like, you got to figure that thing out. Yeah. You're going to kill yourself. So start with small stuff. And here's why, Tim. There's a couple of really basic things to learning to hear the voice of God. And one is surrender. Mm. You, you really have to be willing to hear, yes, or no. Right. Because if you're only open to hearing one answer, oh, I want to get, I want to buy the motorcycle, you know, say yes, yeah. Lord. Can I say, you know, um, you're not going to hear because you're not open to, or, or even if you do hear, 
you won't trust what you heard. You go, oh, that's right. just me. You yeah. know, um, it's so important. Surrender is, is really, really beautiful. And that's why learning and practicing hearing the voice of God, because it keeps bringing you back to that place of open hands uh, of Lord. I, I really do want to know what you're saying. Um, and and then the, the second thing that's so key is you've got to get the drama out of it. Mm. If there's pressure, if there's tension, if there's urgency, Lord, should I quit my job tomorrow? You know, <laughs> you're probably not going to hear. Yeah. Not because he's not speaking, because you're just so tight. You know, you're, yeah. you're okay. So those simple practices. So if you start with little things, you know, should we have my folks over this weekend, Lord? Or, or you know, Jesus, what book would you like me to read this year, this fall with you? What do you, you know, simple things, small things that don't have drama to them. Yeah. You, you can practice recognizing the voice of God because Ephesians three reminds us that Christ lives in our hearts. Mm-hmm. That's the, that is the remarkable transformation of the human experience. Yeah. Paul says, this is the mystery of the gospel in Colossians. It says, Jesus Christ now lives inside of you. So the other thing that helps Tim, if I were to give a third thing, it would sure. be, you have to get, you have to get quiet. And and that's really hard for people in our world. Yeah, like we we are we are so used to the click click swipe swipe <laughs> multitask, you know, that to to get quiet, God doesn't like to shout. Mm-hmm. In fact, if we go back to Tozier, one of his lines that I adore is, "God waits to be wanted." Mm. Wow, like that's he's good. not going to kick the door down, gang. He yeah. and he's not going to shout. You you have to create some space, and you have to get quiet. Yeah. And, and, and for most people that is going to be life changing. <laughs> yeah. He stands at the door and knocks. Yes. Yeah. He's right there. But if you're not quiet and if your internal world is just a carnival going off, you know, <laughs> you have to start with that. And, and again, simple, small decisions, yeah. right. Uh, and then you build your ability to hear his voice into the more important things. You know, should we sell our home? Do you want us to adopt? You know, yeah. And, and then I would add one more thing, friends, while we're talking about this, is please ask the next question. Because like people, like, let's take adoption. You know, young couples praying, Lord, can we adopt? We really want to adopt. It's part of our vision for the world. We can help. And and they hear yes, or they get, they, you know, they talk to their pastor or their priest or somebody, you know, they, they hear yes, they get a yes from God. And then they don't ask the next question. They don't ask when <laughs> or where, Yeah. right? They, and now they just start running on common sense or desire and that sort of thing. And things get bumpy or things don't go well. And they, and they feel like, well, wait a second. I thought God said yes. You go, he did say yes, but you didn't ask him when. Right. And you didn't ask him where, right? Yeah. Like ask the next question. Man, that's so good on discernment. I love that. So I'm going to re-listen to that. I would encourage everyone just to re-listen to that last however many minutes. That was so good. And and I, I think too, you know, like you said, we're in a relationship with God and you wouldn't do that with your spouse. Like go every three months and just the only time you talk to them or plan or schedule anything is when you need to, oh, should I go buy that boat? You know, and they're like, well, where were you when we were going to go have dinner and go to my parents and all these things? Like we, we plan out our week with our spouse yeah. in the same way we need to take God with us daily. 
and not just go to him when things are either in crisis mode or we need an answer right away, like you said, or, you know, we have a sickness or a major life decision coming up because then we're not tuning our ears to be able to hear God. And we might just settle at the first, uh, you know, false voice that comes into our head. So, yep. Yep. That's right. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. So I want to talk real quick about your book, Wild at Heart. So this this book came out in 2001 and, you know, that, but that I, I find what's fascinating is the themes of this book are just so relevant today, if not more so, in a culture that looks to suppress manhood or tell men what they can or cannot do. So what would you say to the men listening as to, you know, just what biblical manhood really should be and, and can be in their life? Well, first, something absolutely scandalous. Gender is real. Yeah. And to say that in this hour, it it, it it almost sounds like you you made a racial slur. Yeah. Like, so let's go to Genesis chapter one. Okay, in the beginning, right? God said, "Let us make man in our image." In the image of God, He made them, male and female. Gender is the first thing you learn about humanity after you after we're made in the image of God. So we're made in the image of God. That's first male and female. So gender is so noble and so filled with dignity and power. Okay. So guys, what this means is you have a masculine soul. You don't just have a masculine body. You are a man in the core of your being. You, you react to news like a man. You spend money like a man. You don't want to see your in-laws like a man. Like <laughs> everything you do is like a man. Yeah. And, and so what we found over the years, I, I, you know, I've been a therapist now for my goodness, 26 years, 27 years, is the first recovery is the recovery of the, of the heart within the man. Mm. Because most guys are doers. Yeah. And, and what we want to do is fix it and just figure it out. So just give me the steps, yeah. right? Um, but it isn't a step. What, what, what God wants is the recovery of the masculine heart, the recovery of the masculine soul. And so that's where the deep work is. And it's a powerful, beautiful walk with God. Once you begin to recover the image of God in you, which is masculinity. Yeah, that's so good. And, and some of that is tarnished by our image of God. And if we see God in a different light than how we are image bearers of him, we ha can have a negative self-image because our self-image is not rooted in who God says we are, but instead of what the culture says we are, or all these things that are, are false from the enemy. And so oh, yeah. that's why I yeah, love it. Yeah. That's, and that's why I love in your book, even beautiful outlaw, because you discuss the personality of Jesus. You discuss who God really is and, and, you know, Jesus is not just relegated to qualities of love and compassion, which are very important, but you say personality is what makes someone someone and not everyone or anyone. So talk about how understanding the personality of Jesus adds a whole new dimension to knowing the Lord we serve. Oh, it does. This is huge, gang. He's not a Christmas card. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like 
He has depth of personality. So let's just start with a sense of humor. Yeah. Does Jesus have a sense of humor? Yeah. And, and what I want to say is, well, you do. Where did you get that? Right. Like <laughs> you, you are a creation of his. And when you begin to recover the humor of Jesus, there's a lot of stories in the Bible that start making sense. You know, like the Emmaus Road after the resurrection, you know, where Christ, this is the morning of his resurrection. And he meets these two disciples on the Emmaus Road and he doesn't reveal it's himself. And then he pretends he has to go farther and they beg him to stay. And he says, oh, okay. And, and then he breaks bread and they see it's Jesus and he disappears. Yeah. Like, if you don't understand the humor of Jesus, <laughs> his joyfulness, his playfulness, you don't get to experience it in your own life. Yeah. God is playful with you. He has a sense of humor. It's not all serious Bible study and memorization. This is the same God who made ostriches <laughs> and camels, right? And, yeah. and the sense of humor that human beings have. So that's one thing. But I want to come back for a second and connect these two questions. The other yeah. thing about Jesus is his warrior heart. Jesus is not just Mr. Rogers with a beard. Right. You know, he's not just the world's sweetest guy. Jesus is a very fierce man. Yeah. And and he he can be incredibly kind when kindness is needed, but not only Mm -hmm. He can be incredibly fierce when fierceness is needed. And I, I have found in counseling men over the years that it is the recovery of the warrior heart mm. that is so essential to masculinity because everything else in life you have to fight for. You have to fight for your marriage. You got to fight for your career. You got to fight for your life with God. Yeah. The whole world is trying to sweep it away all the time. Like, the recovery of the warrior heart, that fierceness, that intentionality uh, is so critical. And then when you see it in Jesus, you're like, oh, there it is. Okay. There it is. Like I, I can relate to this guy. I want to be like this guy. Yeah. That's so good. I love that. And I love your, your chapter in Beautiful Outlaw about how Jesus is cunning and how this word is often misused or it sometimes has a negative connotation. But your quote says, I think the movement of the spirit in the church is cunning. First here and there, keeping men from systemizing it and keeping the enemy from squelching it. It's like a game of rugby. Jesus is holy and cunning. It's part of what makes me love him. And I love that so much because, you know, we we try to systemize God or the move of God. We try to put him in a box and we, try, we, we, we forget who we're serving sometimes and how he, <laughs> the, the common phrase now is, you know, someone plays 4D, 5D chess, you know, God plays infinity D chess. I mean, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, it's, it's on yes. a whole nother level and we just have to kind of appreciate it and understand that we're never going to be able to fully understand God. And that's what makes us pursue him because he reveals himself to us over time in more ways then what we thought, well, I just read the, I read the Bible. I grew up in the church. I know God. No, you don't know God because none of us know God fully. Even if you've served him your entire life, even if you're C.S. Lewis or Tozer, you never fully know God because we're still humans, but God reveals himself to us. He likes to be pursued and he will give you glimpses into him and who he is. If that pursuit happens. Well, and he'll change the game. Yeah, he will. He'll play hide and seek with you. Like where <laughs> you used to find him, you're like, Oh, I used to find him in, in Jesus Calling, you know, and God bless that book. That went yeah. out to like bajillions of people. And, and, uh, but then, then it goes flat and you're like, yeah, it doesn't speak to me anymore. Right. He moved 
for yeah. you, he moved. And now he's over here, right? And because he wants to, he wants to enrich your spiritual life. So for years, I wasn't really a worship guy. I mean, I, you know, I show up, I do it, but I wasn't really, I didn't understand worship. Yeah. And, and then, and then God said, I really want you to get this. And now it's like a rich, rich part of my life. Mm. So he will move the game. He'll move the board, the chess pieces. And, and it makes, it makes life with him so much more wonderful and interesting than just doing the same thing for 60 years. Yeah. And I see this too in people who catch a fresh revelation of God or the, he shows up in their life in a miraculous way and they have this fire about them. They have this passion that infects other people and you you yeah. almost get jealous for a minute. Like, why don't I have that passion anymore? It's like, well, they're pursuing him. They're actually excited about the new things of God or, or revealing or, you know, diving into the word. And, and so we, you know, I grew up in the church and it's easy to just kind of go through the motions. I've gone through those in my past, but you know, now I realize like, it's, it's really, like you said, a daily walk. It's something that we have to stay excited for because the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. And so he will steal our joy. He'll steal all these things that keep us from pursuing God. Life comes in and the cares of life and keeps us distracted, you know, and, and like you said, men don't realize they have to keep fighting. You have to, you know, marriage doesn't just happen. It, it actually, it can just be destroyed without trying, but it can't just be successful without trying. And just yeah. like our walk with Christ, it can't just happen. It can't just like, okay, I'm going to do these five things and it's going to work out. No, it has to be pursued. It has to be, you know, but it can be neglected and, and fall away. So, and the rescue there is, is God is in all of your life. Yeah. Not just your spiritual life. Right. So, you know, if you love golf, God's, uh, God's in that with you. If you're a mountain biker, God's in that. Like mm-hmm. things that bring you joy, God is giving you that joy. Yeah. If you love tacos, God's in that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> John Eldridge says tacos. Okay, everybody. That's awesome. So your most recent book, Get Your Life Back. Uh, you know, this is such a relevant book for the year 2020 and beyond because of the stressful times. And you wrote this, you know, probably last year. Uh, and the right. fact that it came out this year is is obviously God because it was so so needed. Uh, so talk about if we're intentional about enjoying the beauty around us because oftentimes we don't see it. What does that intentionality look like for you? And and what are some practical steps you can give the listeners? Yeah. So here we can connect the whole conversation now. Yeah. So your your soul is how you connect with God. Okay. Uh, Psalm twenty three. He restores my soul. That's where God comes to you. So if your soul is fried, it's really hard to connect with God, let alone anybody else, right? Your friends, your spouse. Okay. The world that we live in right now is is a perfect storm to fry the soul. Okay. And And then you get the pandemic and you get the quarantines. People are not doing well. Mm-hmm. And so what Get Your Life Back is, it's, it's a series of very, very simple things that help us care for our soul. Because if we will practice like very simple things, your daily walk, right? Letting beauty into your life, the, the power of nature to heal. Um, if we will practice these simple things, folks, you got to take care of your soul right now because fried humanity it, it doesn't go well. Yeah. And then you see the anger and you see the hatred and you see all that stuff and you go, yeah, these people are fried. Their souls are totally baked. Right. Like, yeah. So learning to care for the soul with very, very simple practices has become a lifesaver for me. 
and and for a lot of other people. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things, especially with like technology, because you know, I don't think anyone would argue that social media can definitely be a deterrent to your soul in enjoying life because you get on there and you're just angry afterwards or, you know, the phone's always ringing and vibrating and, and, you know, demanding your time where God is quiet and is waiting for you to show up. And a lot of times we, we go to the loudest thing, but the loudest thing is not always the most important. And we had a men's retreat this year and it was called unplugged because there was no Wi-Fi or cell phone service. And it was amazing getting up there and people are just like, wait, my phone doesn't work. Like, it's always going off. What do I do? And it was like, by the time the retreat was over, men are like, okay, this is, I can get used to this. And sometimes you have to almost like cold Turkey it. I think, I mean, if, if it's such a, if it's such a distraction in your life, you know, you have to find those boundaries. And if you can't do it yourself, you know, get something that can help you uh, take it away for maybe a season or maybe a few days, just so you can kind of understand what, it can be like to not have a cell phone. I mean, we we both grew up without, you know, smartphones, but a lot of people listening probably it's been with them their whole life and social media has been there their whole life. And yes. we, we remember uh, a world that did not have those things and it was a lot simpler because of it. A world without email. Yeah. I mean, think of it. It's just <laughs> astounding, right? Yeah. The human soul was not meant to live at the speed of technology. The average pace of human life for thousands of years was three miles an hour Mm. because you walked everywhere you went, including Jesus. Okay. And so gang, like a couple simple things will save your life. Five minutes of news a day. That's it. Yeah. Get in, get the basics and get out. Make sure the world didn't blow up and and get back. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Are there new restrictions? Is the world on fire? Right. Right. Five minutes, okay? Things like that. Don't take your phone into your bedroom at night when you go yeah. to bed. Ooh, that's a good Put one. Put it out in the kitchen. When you get up in the morning, don't look at it first thing. Yes. Like make a cup of coffee. Give yourself five minutes to just be human. Yeah. Right? You can do these little things that are so life-giving. And then like take back your commute or your run, like wherever you've got some space to listen. Like don't listen to the news. Listen to podcasts, listen to music, listen to things that are nourishing your soul or just stay in silence as you take that hike. Right. That's good. And I was at the dentist today and I think about, you know, you always go to the dentist and you always hear, well, you need to floss more, you know, you need to do something more. And I always go and I was like, yeah, yeah, I know that. I, and, but, by the, but by the time you have a cavity or a root canal, you're like, oh man, I should have listened to that. If I did a better job, maybe I wouldn't have these problems later on in life. And I think a lot of times with with advice like this that you hear, read your Bible more, get off of technology. We're like, yeah, yeah, I know that I'm fine. But well, maybe it's going to prevent some problems down the road if you just take this advice, because this is good advice. This is from this is from someone who knows who's been there, who who says, I see these right. roadblocks coming, you know, avoid them, go down a different path. Right. And so, but we can't just always think that that doesn't apply to me because it, it, it might apply to you and it needs to be done. Well, in Tim, even at this point now, Everyone is fried. Yeah. Everyone is. And now fear and hopelessness are sweeping the human race. And and so people are in the pain now. Yeah. Okay, folks. All right. So what are you going to do to get out of that and to heal your soul? And, And it is to begin to learn some simple practices like getting off your technology, 
and allowing beauty back into your life that will heal you in this crazy hour on the earth. And you have the uh, one minute pause app, right? So then that's, yes. that's, that's a great way to kind of disconnect. Use, let, let's say, use your technology for good. If you're going to use it, yep. it, it allows you to disconnect. And I've used it too. And it's, it's something like you set a reminder and then it says, okay, now you, you have a one minute pause. You can set it to five or 10 and, and it allows you just to, to meditate on God, to disconnect from the world around you for just a, it, you know, one minute is not a long time, but it can make a big difference if you are <laughs> practical about it, if you're determined to do it every day. Yes. Yes. Yeah. This is another beautiful God story because we built that app. We're not an app company, but we were really moved to build that app last fall and we released it in January and then the pandemic hit and people, people were, you know, fearful and upset and anxious and, and constant uncertainty and the lockdowns and the quarantines and the one minute pause app. It's free. Everybody it's easy to use. And it brings you back into just a place of peace and connection with Jesus. And what's really cool, Tim, we've had more than 150,000 downloads of that app this year. Wow. And we're getting letters and stuff. I mean, I heard a most beautiful letter from a woman, a pastor's wife, who wrote to me to say that the quarantines were a very difficult time for her, that she started developing anxiety. And she's never had that in her life. And she said that she had lost her ability to recognize the voice of God in her life. Mm. And the pause app brought it back. Wow. Like just learning to pause a couple times a day. That app is very beautiful. There's beautiful music. It's really yeah. lovely. Returned her life with God <laughs> to her. So yeah, folks, I mean, if you do one thing, go get the one minute pause app. Yeah. And, and like I said, you can build up to more. You may find that one minute's not enough and you can go to five or 10. It's kind of like how God multiplies our time with him. Once you start spending time with God, you realize I've been missing out. I need more of this. And then it might, yes. your, your five, 10 minute devotions yes. could be 30 minutes. It could be an hour, whatever, yes. whatever God moves you to. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're almost at the end of our time. Is there anything else in the Get Your Life Back uh, book that you'd like to just share with us real quick? Well, there's a practice in the book called benevolent detachment, and it, it's the simple act of giving everything back to God. First Peter 5 invites us, cast all your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. Yeah. And I never knew how to do that. I just carry stuff I, yeah. and I get angry and I get upset and I, you know, I just carry stuff. I carry people, I carry politics. I just carry it. Yeah learning to give that over to God and pausing to do that in my day, particularly at bedtime, like Jesus, okay, I give you the world. I give you my mom. I give you everything mm. has been the most life-saving practice. So it's in the pause app and it's in the book folks. So you can learn a little bit more about it there. Love that. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on, John, and just let everyone know where they can connect with you and, and your website as, as well. Yeah, it's simple, wildatheart.org, so that you can find us there on our podcast and the other things that we're doing. Cool. And thanks for having me on, Tim. I, I love your love for God. I love your love for Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you. Yeah, you too. That's going to do it for today. Thanks so much for being here. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. If you did enjoy it, would you consider leaving a five-star review on Apple iTunes or the platform of your choice, or just send this podcast to a friend and say, hey, check this out.
Please check out the show notes for details on my guest, as well as ways to connect with me. And like I said at the beginning, I would love it if you at least looked at the Patreon option under patreon.com slash discerningdad and check out the different tiers I have for you to help support this ministry. And for next week, I'm excited to have Ed Rush on the show. He's a five-time number one best-selling author. He's also a leadership coach and a public speaker. And you can find out more about him before next week's episode by going to edrush.com. Until then, go with God, grow in discernment, and keep your eyes on Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. For more information on Discerning Dad, go to discerning-dad.com. Be sure to follow on all the social media platforms. Just search for Discerning Dad. Please share this podcast with a friend and leave an honest review on whichever platform you listen. Feel free to send any comments, suggestions, questions, or prayer requests at discerningdad at outlook.com. Until next time. Keep fighting the good fight.